I have a question for all of you, and that is this. How many of you can remember watching the show Lassie? Look at all the Lassie fans out there. You remember her, her familiar bark? Well, I have a question for you that goes with that. What do you get when you cross a pit bull with a collie? A dog that bites you and then runs to get you help. <laughs> I've got a few more of these for you. What do you get when you cross a hippie with a ninja? A hippie with a ninja. Peace and quiet. Yeah. What do you get when you cross an atheist with a Jehovah's Witness? Atheist with a, someone who knocks on your door for no apparent reason. <laughs> you like that one. All right, there's younger ears in the room. What do you get when you cross a cow and a duck? Milk and quackers. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, all right. I just threw it, okay, then try this one. What do you get when you cross a church with a laser tag arena? Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> it's going downhill already, isn't it? I was once working with a youth group, and I told this next one, because uh, it's, it's fun things what you can do with youth groups, but I told them this one. What do you get when you cross a joke with a rhetorical question? And we had a guy in the group who decided to try to explain it. And he's about, I don't know, two minutes into it when his sister looks at him and says, zip it. Because <laughs> there's no answer. I mean, right? Rhetorical question. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes people miss things, you know, whether it's jokes or other things like that. And with God, he's constantly doing things, and we can miss it. And that's where we want to go today. I want to pray as we get ready to read the scriptures. Father God, open our hearts up to you. We love you. You're amazing. Now, minister to our hearts and our minds. Teach us your word, please. Teach us your ways and your path. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read to you from Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. We're going to look at... We're going to look at Samson for a couple of weeks, but I want to take you into this passage. It says, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. goes on then his father and mother said to him is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines and Samson said to his father get her for me for she pleases me well but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So, as you know, Israel went through different times where there's opposing people groups or, you know, ultimately Rome who will control and oppress and take over. And if you remember that, you know, we're talking about the raising up of a judge here and that the cycle that goes on in the book of Judges, if you've studied it, I'm sure most of you have or many of you have, you're dealing with what? The people walk with God, then they begin to do the wrong thing, and then God allows them to be judged. He brings in a pressing force, and he raises up a judge who then brings them freedom. And they, it's, it's this nice cyclical book. 
Read any judge you want, you're going to see the same thing going on. It's, it's just the way things work with the judges. So I'm going to take you back into verses 1 and 2. Now Samson went down to Timnah and he saw the woman. So he's going to tell his parents, get her for me as a wife. So it's the old story. Boy sees girl, thought she looked nice. Is there an issue here? Yes. First off is the indictment of the book of Judges. Judges 17.6 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And a lot of you know that. That's, that's what goes on. That's one of the things we have to warn ourselves about. Because frankly, as Christians, sometimes, while we may know what the Word says, we do what we feel is the right thing to do. I had a person one time, they were dealing with an issue. It was a really tough issue. And I said, do you want to sit down? Should we go over what the Scriptures say about this? And they said, no, I'm going to have to go do it my own way. And then I'll come back and then it'll be nice to hear what you have to say. And I thought, all right, we'll see how it all works out. Didn't work out well. So, you know, God wants us to do things his way. That he's, he's written the scriptures so we would learn how to function the way he wants us to function. How to live the way he wants us to live. How to do things his way. So going back to Sam, Samson, Dr. George Schwab says, Samson is like all of Israel doing what is right in his own eyes. His life illustrates what his mindset looks like. Like Samson, Israel is supposed to be set apart as holy to Yahweh. Like Israel pursuing foreign deities, Samson pursues Philistine beauties. And you know that was one of God's issues with him. Again, so often we just get caught up in doing things our own way or we aren't paying attention to the scriptures. We aren't paying attention to what, what God wants. Right? I mean, some of you know I was the chair of the ministerial committee. I can tell you I got phone calls every once in a while that would say, hey, my pastor's messing up or an elder's messing up or something along these lines. And I'd say, oh, that's interesting. So you called the chair of the ministerial committee. Let me ask you a question before we go any further. Did you do Matthew 18? What? If you felt sin against, did you go talk to that person and if they didn't listen, did you take somebody else with you? And if that didn't work, did you go to the elders? Well, no. You just thought you would call me. Yeah, well, you just kind of jumped a few levels. And I'm going to send you back to Matthew 18. We're going to do this correctly. If you go through Matthew 18 and that doesn't work, then maybe we'll talk. But, you know, it was amazing to me. It's like, come on, people. God wrote out how to do it. Now, for Samson... When we say that Samson has issues, Samson was under a Nazarite vow. He even claimed it when he was talking with Delilah that, yes, since, since the womb, I've been under a Nazarite vow. His mom put him underneath a Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow, if you know, remember, it says what? They cannot touch anything from the vine. They cannot cut their hair and they cannot touch anything dead. And the Nazarite vow was to, to take you into a level of sanctification or, or a level of holiness to move you closer to God. And it wasn't, I mean, in Samson's case, it was meant to be a lifetime thing. Same thing with Samuel, if you remember. Samuel's, the prophet Samuel, the last of the judges, was also under a Nazarite vow. Now, it's not something that you just do willy-nilly or have some fun with it. But with Samson's case... I mean, let's face it, the guy's constantly violating the Nazarite vow. Anybody, can you have come to mind, if, if you're thinking honey out of a lion that's dead that he killed earlier, and then he makes a riddle out of it, 
You should be going, you can't even tell that joke. You can't even tell that riddle. I mean, you shouldn't even have touched that lion after it died. You're under a Nazarite vow. You're not to touch anything dead. Well, as we're moving forward in this sermon, let me say this. If God can use a hot mess like Samson, I guess he can use the rest of us, right? Because God didn't throw Samson away and go, all right, Samson, you touched the dead lion. That's it, buddy. You know, lightning hits him and he's dead. God had a purpose for him, even if Samson wasn't paying attention to that purpose, even if Samson wasn't listening to God, even if he wasn't actually paying attention to the call that God had in his life. God didn't let go of him. That's the beauty of God. You know, there's so many things we can study with God. Just take his love. How many of you have realized now, even on your worst day, God didn't stop loving you? I mean, I'm talking your worst day. Maybe you pulled a David... Broke half the Ten Commandments in a week, right? On your, did God let go of David? No. God's love is thicker than our love. His love for his people is thicker than our love. He's amazing this way. Again, I'm not inviting you to go have your worst day and then see if God loves you. There were groups like that in church history. We're not one of them. But if God can use Samson, he can use me too. But what is really wrong with this picture is that this young lady is a Philistine. Verse 3, then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She pleases me well. Why is his dad having an issue? You'd go back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. That's where you'd read where God is instituted a law for his people that they could not intermarry with the people of the land that they were going into, the land of promise. They were not to do that. You just go, hey, Samson, come on. You live after Moses. You should know the law. But he's just doing his own thing. We have a similar thing that we're, we don't have that same law. Intermarriage is not an issue for us. I mean, I have one of the most wonderful, I think he's the most wonderful son-in-law from Ethiopia. I love my son-in-law, Ebenezer. He's fantastic. That what God has on us now is 2 Corinthians 6, 14, which says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. So, yes, there are some marriage issues that go on yet in the scriptures, but in Samson's case, he's just breaking the law. But then you have to go to verse 4. So this is where this now takes a turn. Verse 4 says, But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion, God was seeking an occasion, to move against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Isn't that interesting? I, I, there's, there's these scriptures like this that just pop out when you're reading the Word, when you're studying and the Holy Spirit, have you ever noticed when you're reading scripture, every once in a while like, a scripture just jumps out in front of you? When that happens, that's the Spirit of God. He wants you to pay attention. It may even be a verse you've known for decades, and all of a sudden you're reading through the scripture, you go, oh, wow. And the, and the, the Holy Spirit's going to take you a little deeper in these things. So I was reading this passage, and happened with me. I was like, huh. His parents didn't know it was of the Lord. Referencing George Schwab again, and he's fantastic, professor at Erskine Theological Seminary, and his 
commentary on Judges, he reads, his parents did not know that she was from Yahweh. No, it's not that God had a talk with her and said, hey, I've got something I need you to do. See if you can get a date with Samson. That wasn't, that wasn't what was going on here. This was not that type of setup. In other words, God's in the details. God's in the machine. He's the one making things happen. And so that's what the scriptures are trying to give us is this hint that God many times is in the works. How many of you have ever gone through one of those coincidences and afterwards you go, wait a minute, that wasn't a coincidence, that was God. That was a setup. God did that one. I mean, God's doing that all the time. There was a pastor out of Columbia who was watching big time wrestling. He was talking to my brother afterwards and he, he said, you know what, I was watching big time wrestling and it occurred to me it's rigged. It's rigged. They already know who's going to win the match. And then he had a, this Holy Spirit aha uh-huh, epiphany moment. And he's like, wait a minute. God's rigged everything. <laughs> How many of you are afraid that judgment day is not going to happen? How many of you are afraid that Jesus isn't going to make it back? He's going to get busy. Go, I'm sorry. You know, I was having baklava in heaven. It just didn't work out. I couldn't do a second coming. No, it's rigged. How many of you have ever had fun? I mean, be careful when you make fun of the enemy, Satan. But how many of you have ever said, hey, bud, it's rigged. You're going down. <laughs> you might be able to tweak my back and give me all kinds of bad stuff in the meantime. But guess what? It's rigged. Every once in a while when the enemy just comes against me, I go, wait a minute. Hey, guess what? God loves me. He's given me life. So I want to focus on when God makes things happen behind the scenes. With Samson, it was to cause a conflict with the Philistines. That's what it was all about. This wasn't God saying, hey, I've got this godly young Philistina that I want you to hang out with, get married to. No, this was all about God putting putting Samson in a place where he's going to have to come into conflict with the Philistines. But we see things like that. I'm going to read to you Joshua 11, 18 through 20. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that, that he might utterly destroy them, that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Yeah, you need to pay attention to these little verses and they're like, he hardened their hearts. In other words, they couldn't go, hey, Joshua, whoa, hey, you've been like taking city after city. Where, can we have peace? Instead, God's hardening their hearts so they'll come against the children of Israel. If right now you're having one of those epiphanies going, you know what, it just seems like the culture's getting harder and harder. Hey, is it possible that God has been hardening hearts out there? The general culture doesn't really like us. But Jesus also said, don't be surprised. If they hate you, they hated me first. And I send you out of sheep in the midst of wolves. Not wolves in the midst of sheep, by the way. Reverse. I think about God having a conversation with Moses in Exodus 7.3, where he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs, my wonders in the land of Egypt. That conversation is God getting Moses ready to go there. I've had people say, oh, no, 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 no. Moses, I mean, Pharaoh hardened his heart first. No, God said, I'm going to harden his heart. Why? So he couldn't repent. 
God is going to give them 10 plagues. God is going to free his people after 400 years of horrible treatment and slavery. God was going to revisit it on the land of Egypt. That's why he's saying, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm not going to let him let you out early. It's not like being in class. The teacher goes, hey, let's go to recess early. None of that. No early recess. God is going to take his, his ways and his means and his judgment upon Egypt. But it's not always like this. I don't want to focus totally on all the negative stuff. Sometimes God causes things to happen to test you. If you remember when Abraham in Genesis 22 has to take Isaac up onto Mount Moriah, what we now know as the Temple Mount, but when he has to take him up there, if you go back and read the beginning of Genesis 22, what does it say? And God tested Abraham, right? That's why we don't get worked up or they're going, you gotta be kidding me, God would actually send him up there to kill us? No, it's, it's a test. It tells you right up front, this is a test. Now, Abraham didn't know it was a test. He had to be ready to go through with it. And if you go read in Hebrews chapter 11, what does it say there? It says that Abraham was a man of faith and believed that God would raise his son from the dead. He was ready to go, hey, if God wants this, I'll go all the way. God, of course, we know it when you read Genesis 22. Hey, this is a test. And we know he's not going to go through with it. There's all kinds of tests that God will run us through, and he's in the details. Here's the hard part about tests. You usually figure out the test afterwards, and you go, oh, come on, you were testing me again. When I was at Fuller Seminary, one of the professors there got into all kinds, he kind of listed out all kinds of tests that he saw in the scriptures. So one is a faith test. How many of you have been put in a position by God where you had to take a step of faith? Right? How about the very first time you ever prayed for someone's healing? Oh, dear God, I don't know if I can do this. What if nothing happens? And God said, hey, pray. Right? Faith test. How about financially? Have you ever been in a situation where there's a whole lot more command from God and a whole lot less money? Right? Reese the intercessor. Hey, buy that estate. I don't have any money. I didn't ask you to have money. Go buy the estate, God said, right? It was, a, it was a, a faith walk. So God will test our faith. Do you know why he tests our faith? It's like I heard Jack Deere say one time, an omniscient God, and this is changing a little bit, an omniscient God doesn't ask questions to find out the answer. An omniscient God asks a question so you find out the answer. Remember Adam and Eve? Where are you? That wasn't because God was like, huh, I wonder where they are. You notice that he asked it to them right where they were? It was so that they go, oh, we've never hidden from God before. So likewise, when God puts you through a test, it's to show you who you are, show me who I am. It's to put me in places where I have to walk by faith. Likewise, he can give you an integrity test. Those are fun. How many of you have ever gone through the grocery store line and they accidentally give you $3 too much? And you realize it. I asked the youth group one time, what do you think? They go, hey, we won the lottery. I go, no, it belongs in that drawer. That, that person has to count out their drawer at the end of the day. God let you have three extra dollars so you could give it back. Especially when you know you got too much change. You have to look and say, hey, you gave me too much. It's an integrity test. And here's the thing with God when he gives tests. If you blow one or flunk it, he goes, 
How's next week? <laughs> Let's do this again until you get it, right? How many of you have had to go through, go around the mountain a few times, right? How many of you have had to retake the test? Because you know what? This teacher, the, the class doesn't end at the end of the semester. This teacher's got all the time in the universe. We can do this a hundred times if you want. No, I don't want to. Can you just tell me? By the way, if God tells you a test is coming, which he can, I had a dream once about going into a, a, a college classroom to take a test back at my college. And there was a, there was a, a rifle, a, a, yeah, there was a rifle on the front of a blue book. I mean, the interpretation was I was gonna get a, a spiritual warfare test. By the way, if God tells you the test is coming, you know what? It's harder. <laughs> if he has to tell you, it's just like, how many of you remember taking open book tests when the teacher said, oh, we're going to do this open book? No, because that means it's harder. I don't want an open book. Can you just make me, a, give me an easy test. I want easy test, professor. So then there's word tests. Will you actually do what's written in the word? God, you put, God will put you in a situation like those people who have called me Back when, I'm no longer the chair of the ministerial committee. I'm not even on ministerial committee. My time's all right here. But like the people who would call me, it's like, will you actually do what God wrote? As I heard a prophetic minister say decades ago, don't, you know, a lot of people sit there and go, if God would just speak to me, give me a prophetic word. Why do you think God will give you a prophetic word if you won't do the written word? He knows your heart. So he'll give you word tests. He'll give you tests from the scriptures to see if you'll actually do what the scriptures say. When Jesus said a new command I give to you, love one another, which by the way, that he has to issue a command like that, tells you we don't always love one another, right? So he has to command it. I mean, he's really good at this. He understands us. We step on each other's toes. I think I've had enough of that person. You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm just like God though. But no, God, God doesn't let go of us. But those type of things. What if he brings, or brother, as I mentioned last week, what if he brings a brother or sister into your life and they step all over your toes? Will you keep the command? Love covers the multitude of sins. If I end up stepping all over your toes, which, you know, we'll just, it's coming, I'm sure. <laughs> I make mistakes. I admit it, okay? Mistakes were made, they were mine. I may step all over your toes at some point, not, not even knowing I'm stepping on your toes. Will you forgive me? By the way, remember when Jesus said, forgive as the Father has forgiven you? If you will not forgive me, neither will the Father forgive you. There's no fine print to that thing. I've looked. I've done word studies. I've tried over and over and over again going, there must be somewhere in here where God says that it's okay not to forgive. And by the way, he doesn't say forgive once they come to you and ask forgiveness. And I'll preach on forgiveness, but I'll give you one thing that I love about forgiveness. Actually, I don't love it, but I love it that about God's forgiveness. Forgiveness will always come with a cost to you. When you have to forgive someone, it costs you. So the next time you're complaining at God, going, God, this person did something really, it was really wrong. And now you're saying I have to forgive them. You know, God's little violin starts playing. Oh, really? You want to look at the cross for a little while? Do you know what you did to my son? Word tests. But sometimes God will give you a dream and, and warn you you have tests coming. 
You know, when you get the really hard test, you ready for this one? This is one of the really hard ones. It's in Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers or your brothers and sisters or your brethren. Every time I read that, I thought, if that was me, I'd be going, Jesus, you prayed the wrong thing. You aren't supposed to pray that I'll come out the other end with my faith. You're supposed to pray to the Father this doesn't get to happen. That God's supposed to say no to Satan when he made the request. I mean, go back and say that path. It's actually a very difficult verse. When you think, wait a minute. Satan made a request to go after Peter, and Father God granted it. We all should be thankful because Peter was a kind of a hard fisherman. And what did God say? Jesus said, when you come out the other end, you will still have your faith and then go strengthen the brothers and the sisters. So enough, moving on. Let me get to you then on to some other things God does. Sometimes God does things just to bless you. He opens eyes and understanding. Luke 24, 45. And he opened, it says that Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Every once in a while I'm reading the scriptures, I'll, if I'm, have you ever done this? You're doing your daily reading. Don't ever notch the belt because you got it done. If you get done reading it and you didn't get it, don't move on. Think to yourself, why did the Holy Spirit let me get done and nothing impacted me? It's a time to stop and say, would you please take me back and will you open up my understanding and open up my eyes to see what I should have seen? Many times when I go to read the scriptures in the morning, I'll just ask it. Say, God, will you just show me? Show me what's in this passage you want me to see. Because think about it. How would you like to have been one of the disciples when Jesus opened up their understanding to understand the scriptures? What in the Old Testament suddenly came to life for them? <sighs> right? So an application, how do we know something is of the Lord? Well, as I've said a couple of times, God can tell you through a dream, vision, or revelatory word, I'm going to do something. You know, scriptures say that God doesn't do anything without telling his prophets. But usually you don't know till afterwards. Even if you ask, sometimes God says, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you go through it. Let's see how you do. And then God puts us through situations. Some can be short and some can be a lifelong situation. Because I tell you about a woman named Anna Pinkerton. She was... 14 years old when her father had passed away in Northern Ireland. Her mother had tried to work the farm and couldn't. She sold it to a cousin who ripped her off. She ended up with nothing and had, I think, four kids. Anna was like the third child and actually no, she was the second child. The eldest was Samuel. She remarried and the new husband said, I'll only raise the youngest child. So she and her brother Samuel, Samuel was 16, she was 14, got on a ship for New York to come live with cousins in the state of New York. There she'll meet a guy named James Pinkerton, a, a distant cousin. They'll get married. And I've always felt for Anna Pinkerton because I think, oh dear God, a 14-year-old young lady getting on a ship with her 16-year-old brother to come to America from Ireland. But the short of it is, she's my great-grandma, was. And if she doesn't get on that boat, 
my grandma doesn't exist, and my dad doesn't exist, and I don't exist, and Andrew and Anna don't exist. And so what, do I believe it was of the Lord? Yes, I do believe it was of the Lord. Because God doesn't make mistakes. Do you, do you all realize not one of you, none of you are a mistake. God planned you. Go back and read your family tree. Realize that it's not like, oh, look what happened. No, look what God did. Because he planned on you. So here's the deal. God is constantly moving in your life. And tomorrow from last week, please remain humble. Please remain patient. And if you blow a test, just cry it out before God. I'm sorry I blew the test. Can we just not do it again? So that's what you do. You just seek the Lord and say, Lord, I'm with you. I'm going to remain patient. I'm going to remain humble. Because there are things that can happen today, tomorrow, like backs going out and uh, acid reflux and all kinds of stuff. And you just kind of want to go, really? On a Sunday morning? And you realize there's probably a bigger purpose to it. God's up to something. And maybe it was because, I don't know, was anyone healed this morning when we were all praying? Maybe. I didn't ask when we were doing the prayer time. But maybe that's what it was all about, so we could have a prayer time. I don't know. I didn't ask God. But you know what? He'll show us. So brothers and sisters, God is constantly moving around you. And he's constantly moving in you. And he loves you with all of his heart. And God doesn't make mistakes. He's the all-powerful one. All-knowing. Omnipresent. All of, all of world life, history, and the future all sit in front of him because God's outside of time. He's amazing. So let me pray for you right now. Lord God, would you please bless my brothers and my sisters and encourage them, Lord God. As we move with you, Lord, there's going to be things that you're going to do. We aren't going to know it's you. We might know it later. But God, will you put a humbleness and a patience inside of us to move with you? We want you to teach us your ways, and this is one of your ways. You do things around us. Things happen. We may not know it's you, just like Samson's parents. But we can read the book of Judges and go, yeah, that was God. God did do that. And Lord God, we hope that in our lives we can do the same thing. We bless you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.